Brian Gallagher, 31, began his day just like any other. He woke up at 5am, worked out, bathed, and cooked breakfast for his wife and two-year-old daughter before kissing them on the forehead and driving to work. Walking through the large front door of the steel manufacturing plant, he places his belongings in his locker, grabs his gloves and safety glasses, and walks to his workstation for another day's work. Brian falls into the rhythm of his work, moving, bending, and cutting large sheets of metal when a sharp snap rings through the plant. Confused, Brian notices a long, jagged piece of metal in front of him as a warm, wet feeling begins to radiate down his left leg. Dizzy, Brian looks down to see a large, open wound in his left thigh. Placing a shaking hand over his leg, his vision begins to haze as he falls to the ground, attracting the attention of his surrounding workmates who immediately call for an ambulance. Paramedics, who come to Brian's aid, reduce the bleeding by applying direct pressure to the laceration, but paramedics estimate that Brian has lost nearly 30% of his blood volume. Arriving to the emergency room, Brian is now in the care of the talented emergency room healthcare professionals. As Brian is wheeled into the emergency room, the paramedic team communicate Brian's condition to the doctors and nurses within the emergency department. Wasting no time, they set to work, transferring Brian, maintaining pressure on the wound, and performing a physical examination while measuring Brian's vital signs. Everything will be okay, Brian. Please try to remain calm. We're here to look after you, a nurse says, as she applies a pulse oximeter onto his finger and applies a firm yet comforting grip on Brian's hand. At the same time, doctors are checking the popliteal artery, which is behind the knee, the posterior tibial artery, which is near the ankle, and the dorsalis pedis artery, which is on top of the foot, in order to check how much blood Brian's leg is actually getting after his injury. After performing a physical examination, things are not good. Brian's heart rate is 120 beats per minute and weak, with a respiratory rate of 28 breaths per minute and blood pressure of 80 over 60. Physical examination of Brian showed that he was extremely pale, diaphoretic, meaning that he was heavily sweating, and was highly anxious, with a weakened pulse and capillary refill of Brian's left leg. Combined with the high heart rate, rapid respiratory rate, with each breath being sharp and shallow, it was clear that Brian was entering into hemorrhagic shock caused by excessive blood loss. This blood loss causes a decrease in blood pressure and venous return, the amount of blood that goes back to the heart from your veins, and thus causes a decrease in cardiac output, which is the amount of blood ejected from the heart per minute. This decrease in cardiac output is problematic, as blood not only delivers nutrients around the body, but it also delivers oxygen to your organs and tissues. Less blood means less oxygen can be delivered to Brian's organs, and if his leg is not fixed soon, Brian's organs will go into hypoxic shock and will begin to shut down. The triage team are in a critical race against time to fix Brian's bleeding. The nurse asks Brian if there's someone that we can call to let them know that you are in the hospital. 
Please don't tell my family I'm here, Brian says. I don't want them to worry about me. Looking at Brian's face, the nurse could see the fear and panic on his face as the severity of his injuries began to sink in. Respecting Brian's wishes, Brian's family is not contacted and the nurse begins to infuse Brian with O-negative blood, the universal donor, to improve his blood volume and blood pressure. At the same time, doctors take a blood sample and send it away for laboratory studies to better understand the current state of Brian's health and make a call to a vascular surgeon to repair the damaged artery. As the nurse comforts Brian, the team works fast to stabilize Brian's vital signs, focusing predominantly on maintaining pressure on the open wound and applying a firm tourniquet on the upper thigh to reduce the amount of blood flowing down the leg. Doctors also administer adrenaline and other adrenergic agonists to Brian. Adrenergic agonists work by binding to and stimulating the adrenergic receptors. Metaraminol, for example, is predominantly an alpha-1 adrenergic agonist, meaning that it is a potent vasoconstrictor, which causes Brian's blood vessels to constrict and narrow in diameter. By narrowing his blood vessels, there is an increased resistance between the blood and the blood vessels, which causes an increase in blood pressure. Adrenaline will also act on adrenergic receptors, but in high doses will bind to both alpha and beta receptors, meaning that adrenaline will also induce vasoconstriction, but will also cause an increase in heart rate and increased heart contractility, or the force in which your heart will beat. The combined effects of increasing both the rate and force of Brian's heartbeat, as well as constricting Brian's blood vessels, causes an increase both in blood pressure and cardiac output, both of which were decreased significantly due to Brian's excessive blood loss. The phone rings and a short conversation was had with one of the nurses. After consulting with the doctors, the nurse approaches Brian to let him know that the vascular surgeon is prepped and ready to repair his femoral artery, as well as the muscular and subcutaneous layers of Brian's leg that were damaged during the accident. The ER staff inform Brian of the procedure and explain that the surgery should be finalized within a few hours. Sensing that the repair of his leg and the end of one of the worst days of Brian's life was nearing the end, Brian looked up at the nurse and asked if someone could please pass him his phone so that he may contact his wife. A short conversation with his wife helps to calm Brian down before he is asked to hand over his phone and be wheeled into the operating theater. A mask is applied and the anesthesiologist administers a sedative. And then, nothing. Hearing someone calling his name, Brian opens his eyes. Looking around, two things catch his attention. First, a nurse explaining to Brian that the surgery was a success and that he is now in recovery. And Brian's wife and two-year-old daughter standing at the foot of his bed, looking scared but relieved that their husband and father are okay. Staying in the hospital overnight for observation, Brian was discharged from the hospital, wife and daughter in hand, where after some rest and physiotherapy, made a full recovery.
This case study was written and produced by Brock Grant. Special thanks to Dr. Jaden Murphy for his expertise and input into this audio production. Thank you also to Griffin McElroy and David Fesslian for their music. Further details can be found in the links below.